Welcome to the Kicking It With Cam podcast, where we bring people from all over the world to share a different perspective of knowledge and ideas and bring them straight to you guys. I am really excited to have you guys here, and I know you're going to enjoy this episode. With that being said, I want you to go ahead and take a second to follow me on all platforms at this cam. Now I'm done with all the theatrics. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Kicking It With Cam. Today, I have a very, very special guest, my boy Sebastian Garcia. Now, he and I connected on Instagram a few months ago, probably about over six or seven now, and it has been just an absolute amazing process to see him grow his channel, to see his content just get better and better every single day. And if you guys think I am obsessed with value, you've got to go check this guy out. He is on an absolute another level. So without any further introduction, Sebastian, please introduce yourself man what's up what's up everyone yeah my name is sebastian uh you know live in salt lake city utah born and raised in uh, bogota colombia mm -hmm. and yeah like cam said we we met through social media a while ago he was on my podcast and it's been a real pleasure just getting to know each other and and seeing each other grow uh, mm -hmm. especially yeah, and I don't know how I left that part out. Yeah, Sebastian was probably one of the first podcasts that I ever got on, and he's a big reason why I wanted to start off my podcast. After being on his and kind of just seeing the the community and the environment that he was able to make, I was like, dang, I want, I want to do this. So yeah, that was that was a really yeah. good experience, man. It was it was so dope. So we have a, a tradition here that I'm really trying to start up and it's pretty much just called your origin story. So I want you to, to kind of take us back to you as a kid, maybe as a teenager, maybe even a few years ago, I, I would like for you to talk to us about how you became the person that's sitting in front of us today. Yeah, man, for sure. I mean, um, like I said, born and raised in Bogota, Colombia. Um, I was raised in a very traditional household of uh, when you talk about like Latinos, for example, you know, they all talk about like the, the chancla, right? The, the flip-flop, <laughs> right? Yeah. You've seen that. It's like the grandma's throwing it at you. <laughs> My mom would throw anything she could find yeah. around her, just that, throw it at me whenever she get pissed at me. So, too. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only yeah. one, man. I'm glad I'm not the only one. So, you know, so uh, my, my childhood was good. My, my dad was not around uh, most of my childhood, well, actually entire childhood and, uh, you know, growing up. But luckily, my, my stepdad came in and, um, you know, uh, I grew up in that environment. Um, then around the age of 12, you know, is when my life really, really changed. That's when my, my mom and my stepdad decided to move to the United States, um, mainly for a better life, for a better future. Um, for, for more security. Right. Okay. And, yeah. you know, when, when you look at the U S compared to anywhere in the world, like I always say, no matter what's happening, you know, we're in crazy, crazy times right now. Mm -hmm. I'm so, so happy and so blessed to be living here, uh, to be having the opportunity to build a business, to com yeah. communicate whatever I want to communicate with people for um, free. Yeah. We, we communicate yeah. with each other for free. Yeah, exactly, man. So, um, super, super blessed to have done that, but you know, we moved to the U.S. when I was 12. Um, I think on the come up of, you know, middle school, that was a little bit hard for me um, because I didn't know the language. You know, Spanish is my first language. And so um, 
making friends. And I was, a, I was a very social person. I was someone that loved talking to people, making friends in, in Colombia. Mm-hmm. And then once I moved here, it was like a completely different world. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I ta- told you this last time, but mm-hmm. you know, kids, kids are ruthless, bro. Yeah. Especially like <laughs> in, really in like <laughs> fifth, sixth grade, yeah. like until like they get out of high school. Yeah. It's just like, they don't give, can I swear here? Oh, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, you yeah, can. like <laughs> they don't give a shit about like yeah. who you are, where you're from. And yeah. so, you know, when I was I, I was learning how to speak English, like I remember kids would pick on me. They would say things to me and it wasn't like I was afraid or like I, I just couldn't say anything. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know how to say or how to stand mm. up for myself uh, verbally. Mm. And so that was a very like hard challenge for me. I remember like you know, the first few years I would run home and just like cry to my mom and tell like, yeah. I want to go back. I want to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was hard for her. Imagine her like, of course, you know, yeah. we sold everything, you know, we sold our home. We left our family, our friends in Colombia. So, mm-hmm. and not just that, but you know, the process of getting citizenship in the United States is mm-hmm. so hard, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, we uh, apply for asylum here, mm-hmm. which is pretty much when you go to the government and say, Hey, we are in danger in Colombia, please Mm -hmm. take us in as citizens. Mm -hmm. And then it's up to them to decide. But it's not just simple. Like I made it very simple, but it's really you have to pay thousands and thousands of dollars. Exactly, man. So Mm -hmm. it's really a gamble, you know, and Mm -hmm. so I don't know, I think I'm super blessed that those years happen. I really am because the seeing that process and and seeing that, you know, we went from buying everything at at the DI, um, which, you know, you still do that today but it's different <laughs> right like it's different when you have no choice mm-hmm. um and so back then it was like you know uh we would find people that would give me clothes and i would wear that to, to middle mm-hmm. school and um a lot of those things i think made me who i am today and i'm so appreciative of what happened because man like it was it was it was rough you know what i mean yeah, yeah um, i can only imagine and i, yeah, I want to know what how is the culture different here versus it is in Colombia? Oh man, I mean, it's insanely different, insanely different. And what I what I will say is, when it comes to the people being together and and family, to me in Colombia is much more uh, powerful and strong than it is here. Mm-hmm. And so what I will say is that the shift uh, from materialism, like in the United States, people are very materialistic, oh, and yeah. I myself, I throw myself in there now. I, I feel like. I'm like more American than Colombian now, mm-hmm. which is something that, you know, I'm, I, I'm okay with. I understand because I live here and I, I, I live with people around, you know, that are American, but, mm-hmm. you know, family is a very important thing over there. So, you know, you can be, you can be poor, you can be um, uneducated, but family is always number one. Mm-hmm. And I feel like moving here, there was a lot of, there was a shift because making money is easier because having a house and a car and all these different things is easier. So, I that think I definitely see that. Yeah, the yes. individualism. Yeah, okay. Exactly. That's now that is something that is super interesting because I don't think I've ever talked about this, like definitely not recorded, but in high school, so probably about four years ago, 
I used to get jealous, bro, of my Hispanic friends. So just like for like my background, I was pretty much been raised around Hispanic and black people my entire life. It was it was mostly people who looked like me up until I guess middle school. And that's when I got introduced to a lot of Hispanic people. And I loved their culture just so much that I just stayed around it a ton. But I think that whenever I first started having like Hispanic friends that were just like really like my, my boys and just like really good friends, bro, I was jealous at how strong family was because it was like, it was like, that's my brother. Like, like we would just be hanging out, kicking it. Something happened to his brother. He got a flat tire. It's like five or six, like guys are running over and it's, it's just one flat tire, but like, like running over. And it's, and it, it would just be amazing because I even felt that of us just being able, being friends and hanging out together. Like they looked at me as like part of the family and the way that they watched out for me and the way that they were just like, had this, this undying sense of loyalty. I was, I was honestly jealous of, because it was one of those things where it was like, it's not a we don't have to talk about it it's sort of like an unspoken yep. rule it's like yep. it, and i always yep. thought that that was so amazing um as far as the thing that i think hispanic people take from so i want to know now that you've been in an american culture for for a while now have you have do you feel like you've lost some of that 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 family oriented thing that you were talking about before and some of that and and kind of went a little bit more individualistic and if you have, do you think that that's necessarily a, a negative or a bad thing? Yeah, dude, that's a great, great question. And I will say, I, I do believe that I am more um, individualistic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, why? I mean, I think there's a lot of different factors. Like, for example, mm -hmm. the majority, like 90% of my family lives in Colombia, right? Uh, so it's okay. hard right. being family oriented when really just the core core of your family is here right mm -hmm. so for example yeah like i'll go to my mom's house every sunday or every other sunday uh, i'll keep in touch with like my sisters you know what i mean but i have brothers that live in colombia mm -hmm. my dad lives in colombia my grandma lives in colombia so i feel like that definitely has played a big part into like why it's <clears throat> it's just not the same you know what i mean it's very mm -hmm. hard to keep a relationship mm -hmm. through a zoom call with with people that are different ages different cultures now yeah. um but i will say man like you know this is something that makes me a little bit sad uh so i, I do see it in like a negative way mm -hmm. is that for example like you know like i said my core family's here and then my my aunt my cousins they you know some of them moved here as well they live mm -hmm. in utah with us but i will say that i have seen such a different shift from the moment that we got here we had less money we spoke no little to no english and because of that we were so together right mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. as we evolved as we started making more money as we started doing more things i saw a huge like disconnect and i mm -hmm. saw like you know my parents and my uncles were fighting about who had the bigger house who had a, more cars who had the latest technology um and you know like not not to put them on blast but like it really mm -hmm. like i did see that and i was like man like it's crazy how, you know, money and like success can get to your head and can, uh, without you even trying, it really pulls you apart and shows you who people truly, truly are. Mm -hmm. um, so it is sad because now like we are not like a together family, for example, right. we, you know right. what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and that makes me sad. But like I said, I think it's, it's hard when you, you know, anyone that has moved from an outer country to the US mm -hmm. or you know, just an immigrant anywhere, mm -hmm. dude, it's so hard, especially if you are half, 
like if you're like me where you like the first half of your life you were raised in a different country and now you're you come to the u.s right because it's so hard because it was in the other half exactly, of the country exactly man like you're a dude i'm telling you in the entire time in middle school high school elementary school i was just like who the fuck am i like right. who am i who do i fit in with because mm -hmm. i didn't speak english it, you know like i, I wasn't white Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, it just, it didn't make sense to me. And, and I feel like now I'm starting to realize like, I'm just, I'm never going to have that. Like, Oh, you, this is you, dude, you fit right, right here because I have such different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. I think that's bro. I think that's uh, uh, an amazing perspective. Like, I don't think that like, if you wouldn't have said that, like I would have never even thought about that before. And it wasn't until you started talking when I was just like, wow, I can see how like being pulled like as a 12 so right around the time when you start getting your identity and figuring that stuff out you kind of get pulled out of it and then almost put into a completely different culture and again your parents did it like you were saying for a better life but at the time like it's just like everything's different I don't understand anything everything's so crazy yep. I think that something that I would, would, would critique almost just a little bit is because family is so close um, a lot of times the opinion of a family member can be taken a lot harder in a culture that's not as individualistic. So I'll give you a really great example. I would have tons of friends who were amazing with their hands. Like I'm talking about could like sit and build like just like an engine out of from almost scratch, like just, just do anything. And their parents really pushed them to be to go to college and study something like journalism or, or like some like some math or something that wasn't in their natural skill set to do. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that while my parents did the same thing to me, I was able to block it out a little bit better because because there was a certain individualistic uh, approach to our family. I was able to mm -hmm. take some of the things they said with a grain of salt. And while I noticed some of my other friends who came from very family oriented backgrounds weren't able to do that same thing. So I think that the sense of individualism can have its downsides, but I think it has a lot of upsides as well too. And I think that for anybody is going through like that same struggle that you were going into, what sort of advice would you give to them as far as like moving forward and, and trying to work through that, that phase that you were in when you were 12 and 13 growing up in America? Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like for me, it, it just took a while to really understand that my voice mattered in mm -hmm. a way, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. in a big you know, way. Yeah. yeah. And like, for example, like in middle school, and even high school, I was a person that was afraid to raise their hand and speak. Mm -hmm. I was afraid I was a person that was afraid to read out loud in front of the class because I hated my like, dude, I hated my accent, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that was something that was very crippling at the moment because I felt like my accent made me less. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It made me feel like because I didn't speak like everyone else, right. I was an I was less smart, you know, mm. less and, capable of and doing in, in reality, that's what makes you so special. It, exactly. But it, but it doesn't feel like that at the time. It feels the exact no. opposite at the time. But in reality, exactly. that's what makes you special. Yeah. I, so I have we call it a southern draw. Uh, and you can probably hear it a little bit more. I can't hear it at all, but like sometimes I slur some of my words or like, so I'll say like Surrey instead of like Siri, like, like the phone, but like a, oh, yeah. I have a slur into my words. And, and that's like a part of almost like an accent, sort of what you were saying, but it's because I'm, I'm from the country. I'm from Texas. So it's, it's, it's a yeah. little bit different, yeah. but I know exactly what you're saying. 
And it never, ever, ever feels like that at the time of us going through it and being like that, but being able to come into it, it's like, yo, this is what makes you, you like, this is what makes you so special. And it's, it's almost the exact opposite of what you first think. Whereas I, I, I suck because I'm not like anybody else. It's like, no, like, because you're not like anybody else, that's why you're so amazing. Because I mean, if I had to speak to a 12 year old, you, we get a, an exchange student if we get someone who can only speak Spanish and all the other kids, you know, we just looking around looking stupid at each other and you're the one person in that entire school probably that can effectively translate what that person is trying to say to what everybody needs to know. And I think that's, that's, I think that's just the key, yo, is like understanding that what makes you different is what makes you special. No, 100%, man. Yeah. That, that, that was going to be, you, you took the words out of my mouth, bro. Like mm-hmm. it, it's, to me back then, like you said, I didn't recognize that those were all strengths. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because as I got along with like my career, once I graduated high school, um, I understood how valuable those things were. Mm-hmm. And not just like the fact that, you know, Spanish is my first language because I was able to get a job that was Spanish specific. You wow. know what I mean? Like it was yeah. a bilingual job. Mm-hmm that the majority of people in the U S wouldn't be able to get because yeah. I don't speak Spanish. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it, it was, I started seeing these things, but then going back to like the struggles, because mm-hmm. dude back, you know, when, when you're, you're noticing these struggles in your teenage years and mm-hmm. your early years, you, you see how, I don't know, you think that your life is really, really hard and it, it can be, and it probably is, but it's cool because as you keep evolving, you see how those struggles really were preparing you for bigger struggles yeah. so that you could actually overcome them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so to me, like the biggest, biggest advice is just like, you know, whatever struggle you're going through, whether you're 12 years old or you're, you're 20 or 30 years old or whatever, mm-hmm. like it, it, it is always going to teach you something mm-hmm. big about who you are and what you can do in the future. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so crazy because you can never see it. Well, like while you're in the middle of the struggle, it's like you, you can't fathom or even imagine that this is getting me ready for another period of my life. And it's like, you, you almost just have to have faith and, and trust in the process because in mm-hmm. the time of it, bro, I've been in so many shitty situations where it's like, I don't even know what to say. This just hurts and I don't want to do it anymore. But being able to eventually work myself out of it, it was just like, I'm looking back on it and I'm just like, oh shit. Like I went through all of that so that I could be ready for this point. Because if I would have got what I wanted and if I would have been taken out of those situations, like I never would have been ready for the things that came. So bro, Mm -hmm. I think that is absolutely amazing advice and it it, what you kind of said really leads into the next part of uh, my question is so like just tell us about what do you do now as sort of like your your full-time or like your day-to-day I see the the division board behind but like yeah what is it yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, so so what what is what is that about and what is like your professional career about and you mentioned you had a business so like tell us about it yeah man yeah for sure I'll kind of like back up a little bit so you guys can kind of understand where my idea came from but um, once I graduated high school, again, you know, I was the first person in my family to graduate high school in, in the U.S., uh, first person to go to college in the U.S., and all these things were, it was new territory, meaning we had no idea how to apply for grants, uh, what student loans and student debt really meant in the U.S., yeah. um, 
So it was kind of like my mom. It's a lot of American people that don't know that stuff. Exactly. You don't have to be an immigrant to be in that situation. Exactly. And so, so, you know, it it was crazy, man, because I graduated high school and I was like, okay, uh, here in Utah, I had a lot of Mormon friends, uh, people that, you know, leave on their mission for two years. And I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not very religious in a way. And so I was like, okay, well, that's not going to be me, of course what am I going to do? It's like, everyone has such a, an agenda. They have a schedule from Monday through Friday, exactly what they're going to do until they're 18. And then once they graduate, they're like, Oh my God, what do I do with my life? You know what I mean? And so that is why it's such a a crucial and like a scary time in your life. Cause you're like, Oh my God, if I don't do anything, I'm going to feel like I'm a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm not growing. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, once that was happening, I was okay. All I know is I want to go go to college and I want to party. I want to meet girls and I want to have like the college experience, like yep. to, to be completely transparent, yep. right? Like, bro, and I think I think them that's with most students like getting ready to go to high school. I swear to God, they, they'll feed you all of this bullshit. And I want to I want to go and I want to become this and I want to I want to. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly what you just said is what 100%. most people go to college for, <laughs> bro. And like if you think about it, like there's always community colleges that you know cost half the price mm-hmm. get you the same degree that you are yeah. looking for yep. but it's all about the pedigree and about the experience that's why people really really the do status. it yeah the status yeah. of saying exactly I go to like a big school yeah mm-hmm. and, and that and that to, that's what happened to me i i decided to go to, to the university of utah mm-hmm. instead of like the salt lake community college mm-hmm. and you know i was i was dude i was paying $8,000 a semester. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, I moved out of my mom's house. I moved into like this basement, like horrible, horrible <laughs> spot. Yeah. Um, I started working full time, you know, uh-huh. as, as soon as I graduated high school. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to school full time, uh, working full time mm-hmm. for the entire, you know, the next four years of, of my life in, in, in college. And um, through this process, I realized something. I realized that when you're working full time, you don't get to party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I no, mean? Like, no. <laughs> like if you're going to school full time yeah. and you're working full time, there is mm-hmm. no time yeah. for you to party. Yeah, it's no free and, time. Yeah, exactly. And so to me, I, you know, the first few years I was partying and I was doing all these things. And then I got to the point where I was like, what the fuck am I doing? And it's funny because <laughs> I think I've told you this before, but I was listening to Gary V on a podcast, bro. Uh-huh. Like uh-huh. Gary V is to me is a person that opened up my world and, and said bro. like, and it, like he, he was talking about like pretty much like wasting your time. And like, uh-huh. instead of doing something that you truly love. And I was like, man, like I'm looking for work for every Friday night so I can go get drunk with my friends and go to the bars. And get rejected by girls. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. so it's like, why am I doing this? Like, what why what is the purpose behind all this? And that's when I started saying, like, why am I even going to college? Why mm-hmm. am I working this job? Like mm-hmm. I started questioning everything. That and this that's so important. In any self-actualization, questioning and just asking why is so, so important. It's so yeah, important. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. So like it, it was it was like a series of events that really hit me and impacted me. And I remember it was like two in the morning and I just had so much energy, bro. Like I felt like there was something inside of me, like wanting to come out, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, so it was pretty cool, man. And so after that, I, 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 I dropped out of school. I had mm-hmm. one more semester to graduate. I was doing a double major in economics and international studies. Mm-hmm. I literally had like five classes left and it was all like BS classes, but to me, I was like, okay, I can either keep going to school, even though I know I don't want to, and right. it's not inside of my values, right. um, just to get the degree, or I'm going to drop out of school and I'm going to do what I really want to do. So I dropped out and it was hard, man. Like 
my family was disappointed. Mm -hmm. I think they're still disappointed to some degree. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my friends are like, dude, just finish, bro. It's so easy. Just do it. But you know, like at the end of the day, you have to make the choice that you truly, truly believe in, like what's in your Mm -hmm. values. And so, Mm -hmm. um, that's when I started going to, and I don't, I don't want to rush past what you just said, bro, because what you just said is not a, a common thing. What you just said is that, I knew that the the important and the special people in my life were going to feel a certain way about a decision that I was making, but I knew that this decision was going to lead to my happiness. So I had to almost ignore the opinions of people who, who truthfully don't know me a hundred percent, don't know all of the perspectives, don't have all of the things that I know. And I had to go through, because that shit is hard. I had to ignore what they were saying and choose my happiness, not, not in a selfish way, but I had to choose my happiness and in, in order what I knew was going to make me a better person. So I don't want to run yeah. past that. Cause that's, that's, that's not easy. That it's not as, as fun as you made it sound like, yo, that's really takes yeah. a lot of, a lot of courage and a lot of yeah. people get stuck in their entire lives doing that, bro. So I, I wanted to commend you for that. I couldn't just let you run by that. Cause that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's some really amazing shit, bro. For real. No, man, I appreciate it. Dude. And honestly, like within that, like, I will say that it is in a way selfish, but mm-hmm. I think, and I, I feel like I've told you this before, but I feel like there's no one, no one else in the world is going to be more selfish for you. Mm-hmm. Like, like you have to make these choices for yourself because you know, your family might be disappointed. Your friends might not talk to you anymore, but dude, like in 30 years from now, that's not going to matter. Like if you are doing things for other people and you've, follow a life that other people want you to follow instead of yourself, you will regret it. Like there's, there's no question about it. You will regret it. And you say, man, what if I just, you know, buckled up and I did what I really wanted to do? What, what where would my life be right now? Right. So right. I'm like, I don't want to put that pressure on my family. Like you have to almost look at it in a different way. Like I don't want to put that pressure on them to make me regret things in the future. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I think it's selfish, but I don't give a shit. I love it. <laughs> because, because, and I'll tell you, why I think it's not selfish. It's because the regret is a, it's a poison. And whether we realize it or not, we've all seen a very regretful old person. Yep. That, and I'll say for me is like a dad that forces their kids to play sports because they weren't good at it or because they feel like they didn't reach their full potential. Yep. And, or it's like a parent that in a way forces their children to go to college, even though in sometimes it's, it's, it's out of a selfless nature. It's that you're forcing someone else to live the life that you wanted to live. Yep. And that only leads to more regret. So I think it's, seems selfish at first but in reality everything that you do from now on at least when it comes to that standpoint can come from a selfless nature because you chose to take care of yourself first yeah Yeah. man no dude yeah no that that's actually a really great point bro i think i think that's a great great point so um yeah man i mean i think it it was it was definitely one of the hardest decisions i ever made in my life um especially because at that point you know i told you i graduated high school and i started working at a call center you know Mm -hmm. taking English and Spanish phone calls, right? And if you ever worked at a call center, it's it's one of those jobs that it's like, man, I want to get out of here like as soon as I can. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Just like yeah. answering to like mad people on the phone all mm-hmm. day, it just drains your energy, right. you know? So, right. um, so I started making my way up in the inside of the company. Okay, so it was from call the call center to becoming a trainer and like a public mm-hmm. speaker inside of the company, mm-hmm. then like a supervisor. Um, I got into sales. I started traveling for the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I know, I don't say this to brag, but I do want to share like the vision of it was, I started from really nothing, like the lowest part of the company. And I started working my way up the company 
by providing value. It really was providing value, bro. And that's why mm-hmm. I'm such like, a, I always push that message because it's like, if you just give more than you, than people expect from you, you're going to get results. Mm-hmm. And so I started like, for example, they sent me to Peru, like South America to live out there for three months. They paid for okay. my flights, my hotel, my food, everything. Wow, that's cool. It was, it was a super cool experience that I would have never had if I didn't work towards that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so fast forward a few years, um, it was the last year where, before I dropped out of school, I got into marketing. That's when I, I got into the marketing department. And um, I started just doing managerial work, admin work, uh, really didn't understand anything that marketing was. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, I was I had in my mind that I was just going to work in international business. I just wanted to work in business. I've always loved business and I wanted to do it in an international level. That's all I knew. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, man, after a while, there was an opportunity for me to step up in the social media world and pretty much start taking photos, start doing like small things to help the social media for that company. And so, um, I started doing that and I started doing things that I felt really uncomfortable with. Like, for example, I had never taken video and now, and you know, they were looking for like, Oh, it would be cool to make this video. I was like, I'll do it. You know, I'll, I'll <laughs> right. do it. And right. it, I spent like the entire night just like Googling how to edit videos, how to, mm-hmm. you know, what's the best angles, all these different things, because to me, it was an opportunity, even though I didn't know anything about it. I don't like the saying of like, fake it till you make it. Yeah. But it was to some degree that, you know, it was mm-hmm. like, just figure it out. Yeah, dude. And, and I, I will say like Google and YouTube, man, if mm-hmm. you are not out there searching and finding all the answers that you're looking for on Google and YouTube, you're not being resourceful enough. Mm-hmm. Like you need to leverage those tools because those tools are going to take you wherever you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, man. So I, that's when I got started into the social media marketing world. Um, then a few months later, the uh, the position for the social media manager, like the head of social media for the company, opened up, mm-hmm. and they offered it to me. Um, so at this point, bro, I had no experience. Like I had some experience <laughs> with social media, and yeah. of course, I was like, of course, I'll take it. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so it was it was cool, man. It was like a process of being a one-man social media team mm-hmm. and i grew the team to like five employees um we grew internationally we had it, it was just a really really cool experience i was able to travel and like speak and train people like thousands of people on stage uh, it, it was a dope dope experience yeah, that is cool um and so as that happened right it, it, it's just to share like the timeline i was growing in the company mm-hmm. i was almost graduated I was due for a pay raise once I, gra- I, I graduated from college and I was also due for like a, a promotion as well. Right. So it was kind of like, it was all working out perfectly. If you're talking about like the perfect corporate job, I was making really good money for my age. Like I was traveling, I was doing all these things. And, and then <laughs> I decided to go Here fuck it, it all up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and man, yeah. Like that's when yeah. I was like, you know what? Like that's when, you know, I dropped out of school. Mm-hmm. Even people at work, bro, people at work that I didn't even talk to were like, you're making a mistake. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. who are you, man? Like, who yeah. are you to tell me how to live my life? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And so um, I think I think that was so crazy, bro, because and I'm and I, I got to stop you here just because you've dropped so many gems in the past. I don't know, three <laughs> minutes you've been talking. I think the yeah. first thing that you said, and I was just stuck on it, is you said I, I was able to provide value. 
And I think that the situation that you just gave is practical for so many people because I I usually do not recommend entrepreneurship to majority of people. Side hustles, I think you should yep. do it. The life yep. of a full-time entrepreneur, I usually do not recommend it unless you are really, really built for it or really, really want it. But what you said was I was able to move up in the company. I was able to make more money. I was able to do on more trips. I was able to do more because I was able to give more than anybody yeah. else would. And yeah. I think that's flat out. We can end the podcast right there. Like that was, <laughs> that, yeah. I think, I think that was just amazing, bro. And, and the ability to constantly put yourself out there because a part that you're saying, but you're not really saying is that I was young and I don't know if you had a family or had any responsibilities at that time, but typically whenever you're younger, you have a higher risk tolerance. So you can do yep. more things like that. You can spend three months on the other side of the world and it's not really a, a big deal. You, you can do the things that you were saying that you were doing and probably what, how this story is about to lead into is that you can continue to do the things that you're doing because you're so young, because a 50 year old dude with four kids and a wife, he can't just pop up and spend you know six months in Columbia or he can't just say, oh, I wanna quit yep. my job and start some new business. So I want you to keep going ahead and telling the story, bro, but you were dropping some major, major gems, bro. And I, I just had to interject there, but go ahead. <laughs> no, dude, yeah, that's that's a great point, man. And you know, like once I, I, I dropped out of school, I started getting shit from everyone at work. It was kind of like everything was piling up. And um, if you've ever quit your job or if you ever felt like you wanted to quit your job, then you can probably relate to my next, this next section because every single morning bro i would wake up and it was like this feeling of like it was like pressure on your chest mm -hmm. and it was this feeling of like oh my god all right let's do this you know what i mean mm -hmm. like it's like you were forced out of bed and and you know I, I remember waking up one morning and i felt like you know that same pressure and i felt like i really don't want to go to work today mm -hmm. i really don't want to do this and i was tired of like all the bs meetings all the um corporate politics oh my god like there's so many mm -hmm. things that were piling up and piling up and piling up mm -hmm. and then you know that morning i went to work i got there and it was just like the lack of motivation the lack of soul that i had mm -hmm. at that moment was just mm -hmm. so like noticeable so i i decided to just step away i went to work at a coffee shop for a little bit and i remember i remember thinking i'm like i have no idea how i would make money no idea I know that I have the skill set to help people with social media. Mm -hmm. I have the experience and I truly believe that I can provide the value. Right. right? But the, as far as like having a plan, I had no plan. Then I called my, my soon to be wife, actually. No, was she my wife? <laughs> uh, yeah, she was my wife. She was, okay, my wife. She, was, she, was okay. she, she was already my wife. I called her. I was like, I, I, I feel like shit. I don't know what to do. And this call had happened plenty of times before, mm -hmm. but this time it was different. Like she kind of stayed quiet for a second and she was like, Sebastian, it, it was pretty cool. And I'm probably going to butcher it the way that she said it, but she was like, Sebastian, like imagine that your house is on fire and you're living, you're obviously living inside your house. Your mm -hmm. house is on fire and you have no choice but to get out of the house. Like there's nothing you can do but to get out of the house. Yeah. And I feel like right now your heart is on fire in a way. Like mm -hmm. it's telling you to leave. It's telling you to, mm -hmm. it's pushing you to do something. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can't be so logical on things because I'm a very logical person. Yeah. She said, like, you can't be so logical and you have to just follow your heart and follow your gut. Mm -hmm. And bro, it, it's one of those moments when like, like one of those crucial moments in your life where you make a decision, you're like, oh my God, like I'm about to quit my job. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. so that happened. And literally I drove to work. 
I was sweating. I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't even breathe, bro. Wow. When I get nervous, my accent comes out a lot more. <laughs> yeah. So it was just like a mess, dude. Yeah. But I, I, I scheduled a meeting with my boss. Mm-hmm. I went into his office. I was like, man, I'm quitting. Like, I, this is something that I got to do. I got to do it for myself. I don't know what I'm going to mm-hmm. do exactly, but I know I'll, I'll be able to figure it out. What, what, what happens next? Like, what does your boss say? Dude, it was pretty cool. Like we had a really good, good relationship. Yeah. I know he liked me a lot and I liked him a lot too. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of like, it was funny because he was just like a chill dude. Like we were just having a conversation. And then mm-hmm. I told him, he's like, he like stood quiet, like with his mouth open for us. He's like, mm-hmm. are you quitting right now? Are you putting your two weeks? I was like, yeah, man, I am. Mm-hmm. And, he, and it was very cool because I think he could see that I wasn't doing this to leverage a new position or I wasn't doing this to leverage more money. Mm-hmm. In, in, in fact, I was thinking, I was afraid that they would offer me more money because I'd be like, <laughs> oh, what if they offer yeah. me more money or like a better job or more travel? Like, I don't want to yeah. have to make the choice to turn that down. Yeah. Um, but he was like, dude, like, you know, like I, if anyone can do it in the company, I believe you can. And, you know, whether he was being genuine or not, which I believe he was like, mm-hmm. it was cool to hear. And I was like, fuck it. Like, I'm yeah. doing it. It's happening. And the reason why I asked is because when Will Smith tells his story, it's never as complicated or as hard as we make it out in our heads. And he was yeah. talking about he was talking about fear. It's probably one of his most famous speeches. He was, he was on a show and he was talking about going skydiving. And he says he spent the entire night just exactly what you was just saying like just scared and i've done it plenty of times like just scared Mm. and like just nervous and sweating and can't sleep and having all of this anxiety and he said in reality like our fear tricks us and it pulls us out of situations that we belong in he said as a matter of fact when it comes to skydiving the only time where you should be scared is the moment before you're about to jump because every moment before then is you just pontificating on things that might happen that you really don't know mm-hmm. are going to happen. And bro, I think that's amazing, bro. Cause every time I went to go speak on stage, every time I went to go shoot at a pretty girl, every time, like anytime, <laughs> like, like yeah. things have been nervous. It's just yeah. like, yo, I'm nervous. And I'm saying, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? Yeah. Yeah. The only time it makes sense to be nervous is the moment before you're going to do something, because as mm-hmm. soon as you do it, all of the nervousness, everything will go oh away. And it's usually way easier than we plan it out in our heads to be. Dude, and you know what's so funny? I feel like everyone has gone through that moment, right? Mm-hmm. Like that moment where you feel like the world is ending. Yeah. And then once you pass that, once you surpass that moment, mm-hmm. you know, like that feeling when the weight is lifted off your shoulders. It, it, it just drops. It just drops. It's, just like yeah. you, it's like the best feeling in the world, right? Yeah. And, and it, it was like that for me as well. When I quit mm-hmm. my job and I stepped outside, I remember feeling like I was, like I was floating, bro. I mm-hmm. felt like I was floating. And, yeah. and I kid you not, I felt like there was a ceiling on top of my head that had mm-hmm. been lifted. Like mm-hmm. it, it was a, it was a very cool moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, man. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's how I quit my job. And then that, that now we can get into like how I started my business. I know okay. that was like okay. kind of like a long story, but Bro, I, I love it. I, I have been trying to figure out a way to get a podcast with, that didn't, that I, that I was going to have a hard time figuring out a title for. And I think this is perfect because I, I wanted to talk about so many different things and, and that I guess all under one roof, but bro, this is perfect. I love us, our, our conversation. And I feel like the people who are going to listen to it are really, really enjoying this too, bro. So just go ahead, go off. Bro. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Yeah. Well, so I, I quit my job. I, I remember, you know, I had the last two weeks and um, there was a very cool part that, you know, one of the, the, the C-level executives there. Mm-hmm. Um, super cool guy. I had a really good relationship with him. I traveled with him a lot and he, 
he called me into his office. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, I'm like, dude, this guy is going to offer me a great <laughs> job because yeah. I know he likes me. I'm like, no, like, I don't want to yeah. do this. And it was funny. It's like the fear of like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. I remember getting to his office. He closes the door behind me mm-hmm. and he's like, I heard you're quitting. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, man, I am. And his face, he was like, he's like, how did you do it? And I was wow. like, I was like, what? He's like, he was telling me, he's like, I've been wanting to quit my job for years. Wow. And I'm, you know, he's old. I'm not going to say who he is because I don't want to mm-hmm. give him away, but right, he's right. older. He has kids, a mortgage, all these different things. He has a very key role in this company. Wow. And to me, it was, it was very cool. And, but at the same time, it was very sad. It was, it was cool because it was validation that I, I'm glad I'm not him in the future mm-hmm. of like regretting not taking this chance on myself. But at the same time, I was like, man, like, I wish you would just do it. I wish like, wow. I wish you just like try it because mm-hmm. he's such a smart guy. I know mm-hmm. he could give a lot of value and I know he could make the money, but it, it was a wild, wild time, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man. So I, 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 you know, my, my two weeks went by and I remember I was like, okay, I have no idea what I'm going to do, but again, mm-hmm. I can help people with their social media. Mm-hmm. And so then I started reaching out to people that I had previously worked with, you know, okay. like people, clients, customers from that company that could benefit from my, from my social media skills, which would not, you because know, intertwine or relate. Oh my God. So social media is just my space and it's just what I do. Most companies, social media sucks. Yep. Oh, it's yeah, man. terrible. <laughs> and they don't know. No, and, <laughs> like, yeah. and I'll tell you this, bro. Like, yeah. I don't know if you've seen, like, for example, like Chipotle or Wendy's on social media. Man, yeah. I love their social media. And I'll tell yeah. you this. When I was the manager of the social media team, it was so frustrating. So I, I, I want to almost, like, defend social media managers everywhere. Because, dude, when you try to do something that's outside of the box, mm. it has to go through, like, five different levels for Mm. it to get rejected. You know what I mean? Like it's so hard for like a new and like different idea to really, um, I don't know, get rolling that I feel like that's the biggest mistake that companies are making. They're afraid Mm -hmm. of like, of losing their job because Mm -hmm. of a a failed campaign. When in reality, you have to be constantly failing on social media to get that one viral post, that one good post. When it blows everything up. Yeah, exactly, Mm -hmm. man. So Mm -hmm. I, I will say that, but you know, um, when I quit my job, I, I, I was able to get a couple of clients, um, from, from that company and outside of that company. And bro, like, I will tell you this, I was earning around four or $5,000 a month. Mm-hmm. I went up to $20,000 a month in one month. Wow. So it was like for the last four years, it was like a slow and steady, like mm-hmm. upward trend mm-hmm. and then fucking boom. You know what I mean? Like, and it was very cool for, for me because I was like, oh my God, like I made the right choice. Like, this is it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was cool, man. Like, it, you know, it went like this for a while. I started like getting into like web development, uh, mm-hmm. social media strategy, mm-hmm. uh, sales funnels. It's, like, it's, click such a, funnels. it's such a lucrative place and it's such an easy sale. I'm not even surprised by the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man, for mm-hmm. sure. And, and so mm-hmm. um, it, it was cool and I, I, I was rolling and I was, I was, I was doing okay. And then. Uh, eight months later, my wife comes to me and mm-hmm. she's like, Sebastian, I hate my job. I yeah. hate the way I feel. And my I'm like, on fire. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I was like, I was like, Carly, I, I can't uh-huh. tell you uh-huh. not to quit. I can't yeah. tell you not to quit because you told me the advice that I wanted to hear. I can't be selfish mm-hmm. and tell you stay safe because my job is not, not safe. Mm-hmm. So I was like, fuck it. 
quit, work with me. Let's see what we can build together. Mm-hmm. And that is where everything kind of like intertwined. And that's when like we started working together. My wife is now full-time working in my company. That is great. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's really cool. And, and so, you know, like as time has gone by and I was telling Cam before the podcast, but dude, it's almost been one year since I quit my job. Like mm-hmm. literally on the 12th of November, it's, it's one year. Mm-hmm. And I, I've gone through a lot of ups, like increasing my income, being able to like do like sustain myself. That, that, that to me is a, is a W, you know? And now in the last like couple of months, we've lost key clients Mm -hmm. and it's been like, uh, we literally have no idea. Yeah, man. Like we have no idea where the money's going to come next month, man. Where the, where it's going to come from next month. Oh shit. I done been there so many times. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. bro. Exactly. And so what I, the reason why I mentioned that is because it's been cool that in one year I've been like, yeah, I'm the I'm on the top of the world. I'm gonna yeah. be a millionaire this year, yeah. bro. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and, and then and then yeah. six months later, you're like, what am I gonna do for rent <laughs> next month? <laughs> Where did all this money go? It's like <laughs> exactly like how did I spend all this money? Exactly, yeah. bro. Exactly. <sighs> I've been there, bro. I yeah. think that that you brought up, and this is an amazing segue, bro, because I have a very selfish question I want to ask you. But I, th- I actually think people will give value from this one. And I wanted to know, how does your wife, you said her name was Carly. How, did, how does Carly help your entrepreneurship journey? Like, does she, does it help push you forward? Does she give you more balance? Does it give you more focus? Like, what do you, what does it, her, her presence being in your business, how does that help? Man, you know, like, I think when it comes to just having a partner in mm-hmm. business, I feel like it's always been, um, I've always heard that it's hard to have a, like being in business with your partner. Mm-hmm. But what I will say, man, is she's not just my business partner. She's my life partner. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very different because she has, she has seen the, the very ugly part of, of owning a business. Mm-hmm. She has been, she has seen me like cry. She has seen me like jump up and down from excitement mm-hmm. yeah. and having that anchor. So having that person that mm-hmm. really is willing to stick with you through thick and thin mm-hmm. is huge, man. It's like, you know, I, I can't say thank you enough for 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 her support um because dude like one thing like for example like not to plug myself in but we literally started a podcast uh not too long ago her and i we're, we're talking about like relationships and business together which is yeah, pretty cool and that's, and that's but, really cool it, it, yeah it, it, yeah it, it, I'm, yeah it's i'm super pumped for it because it's like you don't hear that very often like yeah, people we're, doing we're that told together not to mix the two yeah we're, we're exactly they, they should say separate uh-huh. yeah man and, and you know she was saying she was telling me like sebastian there's never been a doubt in my mind that you're going to take care of us and provide, provide for our family. Wow. And, and she says, that, I'm like, I almost get like teary Cause I'm like, fuck, like, yeah. it's crazy that I don't find that support anywhere else in the world, bro. Not even from my family and not to, again, not to call my family out, but it's like, they want me to be safe. They don't want me to be, Oh, I wonder what Sebastian's going to, is he going to have a roof over his head next week? Yeah. Oh, we'll find <laughs> out. <laughs> you know, they're not like yeah. that. Yeah. And so, yeah. and so having that support system has been huge, man. Like, I, yeah, it's, it's been huge. Wow. That is, but that's absolutely amazing. And the reason why I say it is because I'm, I'm, I mean, like, hell, I'm still in college. So I'm a lot younger and at least when it comes to like relationships and really understanding them, but I have honestly been having a hard time and figuring out what a, a partner looks like because of my goals and because of my ambitions and because of like 
in a split second decision, me knowing that if I get a really great idea or if an opportunity comes up, like I am going to be willing to drop everything, move halfway across the world and then go run a tech startup with some guys I met last week. Like, like, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's just something yeah. that's like, I know that I would do if I really yeah. felt that it's the thing to do. And on top of that, I just, I don't know. I can't, I just, I, I, I honestly think, I really think it's just cause I'm young, bro. Cause I've been listening to people who are already married and people who are a little bit older than me talk. And the, the idea of business and marriage for me are still separate. And mm. I'm thinking or trying to figure out how to bridge the gap and make mm. them as something, because Gary Vee talked about it. And he says with his wife, he usually doesn't talk to her about business, but she is the, he, he called her the foundation that allows him to do what he does. Yep. And yep. hell, yep. I can't even fathom that. that. That doesn't even make sense to me. It's just like, it's like he yeah. might as well be speaking yeah. another language. But yeah. I think that that is probably, I think the next step of probably my business and personal life or the next place where they mix, I think will be somewhere around that area. So it's, it's a really, really interesting one for me. Bro, I, I will, I think that's a great, great point. And mm -hmm. I, what I will say is, for me, it felt the exact same way. Like how you're saying you're like, to me, I was like, I'm not going to worry about girls. Like, I'm not going to worry about this because, because I know, yeah, yeah. I know myself yeah. and I know like, I want to find success. I want to live the life that other people dream of having. Yeah. But you know, what's funny is like my girl and I, like we, we did it through high school. Like we're mm -hmm. high school sweethearts. Okay. We broke Sorry. up a bunch of times yeah. and then we got back together. Right. And I remember when we got back together, this is, this is kind of how it was. I, I had all this, I was like the app guy, you know, like the app guy yeah. where everyone's like, Oh, I have an app idea for that. You know, like you know, <laughs> yeah. people made fun of me for that. Right. Uh -huh. And so I remember like working, you know, working on myself on my side hustle at that point when I was in college, mm -hmm. I was working late. And I remember one night she came up to me and she's like, I'm tired of you working so hard. Like, I'm tired of you doing this. Like come back to bed, you know, hang out with me, talk to me. Mm -hmm. And it, it was a moment where like, I was like, Carly, I was like, if you want to date other people that are not willing to do what I do, you're more than welcome to do that. Right. But I told her, I was like, this is one of the most important things in my life. Like, I want to find success and I know that it's going to be really hard. So I need you to, to understand that if you want to be with me, mm -hmm. you, you have to be okay with me working late. You have mm -hmm. to be okay with me, you know, working on my business because it is going to happen. Wow. And yeah. It was hard. It was hard because I, I I felt like a dick in a way. I was like, I was take it or leave it. it. I was just about to say it because for me, yeah. that's probably one of the scariest questions when it comes to dating as an entrepreneur is because I know eventually that conversation is going to have to happen. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and it's honestly a big fear in me that says that like her, because I can't ask her to stay if she says no, because it's like, yo, like I am deliberately pushing and draining the living shit of my, out of myself every day. Yes. And, I, yes. and I'm asking you to like, hey, like stay there and be there. But in a, in a way, I can't ask you to really stay. I can only give you yeah. that option. And if you say no, it's like, I can't say anything. That, that scares yeah. the shit out of me. Yeah, that scares me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That scares oh, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It's scary, bro. And and to be honest, like at that point, the thing is like, it, it, it would be crazy for her to leave me. Not because I'm such a great catch, which I believe mm -hmm. I am in a way, of course. No but doubt. Yeah, it, no it, doubt about that It's one. because yeah. if she wanted to go date a person that is not driven, that is not goal oriented, then that's her loss. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like you have to ask that question mm -hmm. to really figure out, is this partner really looking to have build a life that others dream of having with me? Or is she 
is she telling me, yeah, go, go do your business thing. But in reality, she doesn't really care about it yeah. or she doesn't believe you will make it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But bro, I'll tell you, after we had that conversation, mm-hmm. it was cool because she was like, holy shit, you know what? You're right. Mm-hmm. Go to work. You know what I mean? I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that worked. <laughs> okay, sick. Okay. Yeah. And then, right. <laughs> yeah. And then ever since that moment, bro, there's never been a minute. Like, you know, there's times where she's like, you know, like, Time to of course, the time of the of month, which is like really needy or whatever. Right, right. And I'll be like, yeah, like let, let's hang out, whatever. But mm-hmm. you know, like she has been so supportive because we established those those rules from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And not just and it's not just her supporting me, bro. But I think the biggest thing is you have to realize that you don't want just a girl that supports you and your goals, but you want a girl that's driven and that has her own goals because you are going to be that person that's going to be like, yo. What are you doing today that's going to get you towards your goals? Mm-hmm. So I'm always, I'm the number one supporter of my wife. And I'm always saying, yo, what are you doing now? Like you're watching Netflix, you're watching YouTube, get your ass up and go work, like <laughs> yeah. go do your things. Yeah. And so we've, we've been able to have that relationship because we established a foundation of, mm-hmm. you know, our goals matter so much. And it's not about who gets to do what or who gets to accomplish their goals, mm-hmm. but how can we accomplish them together? Mm. Now that's that's absolutely amazing. I mean, like the way this conversation is going, it's it's, it's almost like I, the because the I guess the questions that I'm about to ask you next is like you almost answered them right before I get to ask you. So the and the next question was going to be like, what are some of like your goals at least for? Mm. And I mean, like it doesn't even have to be like tiny things of like I want to do this X amount next month. Like, what are some of like I guess your your goals of being an entrepreneur? Yeah, man. You know, for me, it's I want to find my voice. Like I, I truly want to find my voice. I think social media to me has been a way for me to communicate um, my my feelings, my emotions, my creativity. Um, because like I told you, man, when I when I moved to the US, it was so hard for me to say a word and get people to understand what I was saying that I feel like now I have a voice. Um, so, you know, to me, my goals are to develop that voice, develop an audience, a community mm-hmm. that thinks like us. Cause I believe like that you and I have a lot in common, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and really it's just about like having that driven life and that, that purposeful life. Um, so I, I definitely want to build a community, you know, for, for like more like materialistic stuff. Like we want to buy, I want to invest in a bunch of property for sure. Mm-hmm. Like we want to buy our first home soon. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see what else. I want to travel a lot with my wife. I want to live uh, somewhere outside of the U.S. with her just so that she can also have the experience of what it's like living outside of the U.S. Mm -hmm. Because then you realize, oh, my God, it's so much better here. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I want to do that. I want to keep doing public speaking. Like, that's Mm -hmm. a big thing for me. I love the feeling, like the fear and then like overcoming that. Mm -hmm. Um, I love teaching people new things mm-hmm. you know education is a big part of me so um yeah, yeah man that's kind of like wow overall yeah. overall yeah. what i want to do i think that's i think that's absolutely amazing because as entrepreneurs we can sometimes just like get lost in like our own dreams and it's just like yeah like i want to do this and i want to do this and i just want to go over and do this so it's, it's really really cool to see your dreams almost almost kind of like align and sort of like a plan bro so i think that's i think it's absolutely i think that's amazing so another one that I wanted to ask you, bro, and this is like one that I think you'll really enjoy. Where do you think, where do you see the NBA season going next season? What do you, Ooh. what do you think will happen? Who are some key players you're looking at? Like, what do you, NBA, what do you think? All right. Yeah. All right. What you think? What you think? Dude. Okay. So I think the Warriors are going to be back. 
the Warriors are gonna do oh, yeah. some no damage. Doubt. Yeah, no doubt. They have the number two pick, so mm -hmm. it's gonna it's gonna mm -hmm. be bad, bro. I think they're gonna make a big trade. I was I just know. about to say it. I was just about to say it. I think, I think Wiggins gonna make a big trade. and the number two pick for a Bradley Beal, maybe. I don't know, dude. But that would be dangerous. Don't that would be, be really really dangerous. Be really nasty. Yeah. Um, let's see. I think the Clippers. Man, I don't know, dude. I think the Clippers are just like choke town. I I, <laughs> I had them winning this year, bro. You know I'm a LeBron fan. But I had them winning this year, man. I was yeah. like, there's no way they're going to get past the Clippers. And happen. they choked. So I was like, okay, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. So, that is hilarious. That is hilarious. Yeah, because I never had the Clippers really making it out of the out – the, Really? I, I thought they were going to get to LeBron, but I never had them. I didn't even think they were going to stand a chance versus LeBron, but to be very honest. But – Bro, yeah. I, I will say this. I think the Nuggets are on, on the come up. I think oh, if yeah. the Jazz make a trade for Rudy Gobert, they'll be on the come up. I, mm -hmm. I think Rudy Gobert is to get out of the Jazz. Yeah. Um, I don't like, I don't, yeah, I, don't I think like he's him. just an out, outdated defender or center. You know what I mean? I, I don't want him on my team. I still don't understand um, how he won de defensive player of the year. I was like, <laughs> he can't even guard the pick and roll. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. But I think like the big players next year are gonna be the Bucks if they make a good uh, offseason signing or, or trade. Mm -hmm. Um, the Nets are pretty dangerous, but I will say this, bro, they are so injury uh prone. Mm. Like, dude, Kyrie yeah. gets injured all the time. KD is coming off a huge injury. A big one, a big one. We They're we talking about trading for like Ola Depot, and I'm like, bro, I don't want <laughs> injured players on my team. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know about that. I'll I'll see what happens with the Nets. They have a mm -hmm. lot of egos as well. I was thinking the same their, thing. I wonder how they're gonna. If mess they get their together. shit together, mm. yeah. If they get it together, well. they're super dangerous. And they just signed Mike D'Antoni, so I mean, like, they're gonna be a heavy yeah. offensive team. I mean, just no doubt about it. Oh my god, yeah, but yeah. I don't, I don't. And I, don't I feel know. like they already have yeah. a good squad. Don't you think? I, like, they have like such a good squad. I have a, 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 a suspicion that Dwindle is gonna end up getting leaving or getting traded. And but even though like Levert and um I think that uh, was uh, Jared Allen the the big tall guy mm -hmm. I think that yeah. somewhere in there I think they're gonna end up losing one of those three and I think it's gonna be most likely Spencer Dwindle and wherever Dwindle goes he immediately becomes a title contender because he is arguably if I had a team I probably wouldn't even get Kyrie I would just make Dwindle my starting point guard because he he's just, really yeah I probably wouldn't even get Kyrie and I, that's saying like a lot I love Kyrie. <sighs> But like if I sign really? KD, I don't think I get a Kyrie. So it's going to be – that seems going to be interesting. Oh, my God. I have – dude, I used to be a Kyrie lover until yeah. <laughs> he decided to flip on us and go to the Celtics. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> that was, like, so weird. was so weird. That was such a bad – like, dude, we had such a good – well, I mean, actually, no. We weren't going to be KD and the, and the Warriors at all. Yeah, but, yeah. bro, when he did yeah. that, it, it was just kind of like, come on, was, man. Yeah, like, it was you're just playing really with weird. the best player in the world. I feel like I lost all respect for Kyrie, but you know, hopefully, hopefully they. It was like, so weird. Here's what I want to see next year. I want to okay. see the Lakers and LeBron and AD against mm -hmm. Kyrie and KD in the finals, bro. You think that so? would be a show, man? Be, it would be interesting. That would be it'll a be, show. Be really interesting. I I have a another thing is that I can't see anybody in the league right now being able to guard AD. Um, not with the way yeah. he can move laterally, with the way his. I mean, he's his jumper has obviously been improving. I mean, like, bro, I. And he's still he's still young. So and on top of like a LeBron, I think the Lakers. What the only thing the Lakers need to do is get their young court together because they they fucked it off last year. Uh, I think they, and I yep. think they need to get it. Yep. they yep. they have a guard. They have a guy, and I, only, I have his cards in my living room. Uh, Talon Horton Tucker, bro. I'm trying to tell you, I am yeah. putting a lot yeah. of money into yeah. this dude, bro. Like, I really think that he's gonna <laughs> be crazy. 
And I wanted to ask He's you. He's good. I, he, bro, man, whew, I saw I saw him play like because I'm I'm from Dallas. They had a G League game one time. I saw him play last year randomly, and I was just like. I, I know this is a G League game, but the way he's manipulating yeah. the ball and like the way he's like moving the game, I was like, bro, yeah. this this guy's dangerous. But like, I don't I don't know what to say. I think they need to build their young core around him. But bro, I think hmm. I think he's he's absolutely dangerous. So now I want to ask you, man, what is the holdup with you and sports cards? Oh, I mean, dude, honestly, it's funny you say that because so my <laughs> my wife's mother, she okay. you know her dad or uh, my wife's dad he passed away but he had like boxes and boxes wow. of sports cards and like yeah. nba cards bro okay and so i remember it was like when everything started and actually i saw it from you i was like oh my god there's so much <laughs> money in this game i was like yeah. what the fuck like i want to get yeah. into this uh -huh. um and so we have like a bunch of cards and I was mm -hmm. trying to figure out if they were actually worth anything mm -hmm. but i guess you have to have the little numbers at the top right Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Like a... <laughs> the graded, the grading of the car. <laughs> the yeah, yeah, of the car. yeah, 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 yeah. No, so like so... if you don't have that, it's just like no, that is not the truth at all. I am. I am you, you tell so me because I honestly don't know. Wow, that is funny. So I, I am so glad that you asked that question because that is a very big misconception. So what you're, what you're talking about is the grading of the card. So I have some graded cards in another room, but there, um, the grading of the card is exactly what it sounds like. It's a grade of the card from one through ten. Ten being the best and one being the worst. Mm -hmm. They do. A, I mean, the getting into grading is just a really long topic, but pretty much it tells you like a, a 10 is like a mint condition. There can literally not be a more perfect value of a car. And one is just like the card is pretty much garbage and it probably has rips on it. But that is not the truth at all, because a lot of times what people like collectors, so not collectors who are a little bit more advanced than me, what they do is they buy raw cards. So they'll buy a raw card anywhere from I mean, you can get a, I've gotten raw cards from like 99 cents up to some cards even sell for like three or 400 bucks. Like if you can get like a Kobe card or like oh, a Ricky MJ card, yeah, they sell for three or 400 really? bucks. Yeah. But the reason why they sell for so much is because people who are usually buying the cards raw, and that's what you call the ungraded cards, a raw card. They buy those cards raw to submit them to grading companies in hopes that they come back as PSA 10s. Because when they come back as PSA 9s or 10s, the value can increase by sometimes 3 to 10x. So a card that you pay, you know, $30 for sometimes can be worth like something six, seven, eight hundred dollars if it comes back as a PSA 10, if it's the right player, if it's from the right set. I mean, there are a bunch of different factors into it, but yeah, bro, you can really make money off of it. Yeah, you can really, really make bro, money off of that. Yeah. In my wife's office right now, we have she has a I am frame, about to right? catch a flight to Utah before you finish your sentence. <laughs> bro, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding you. Yeah. We have boxes wow. of cards. Wow. And then we have like in her office, she has the dream team. Mm -hmm. Every single player from the dream team wow. like laminated in a in a thing. And because like, her dad was just like a huge She's dream a team fan. Wow. Yeah. I, I would say like whenever you get some free time, maybe just like eating lunch or anything like that, like you can just research the cards on eBay. I mean, similar to how I do with my flipping stuff. You just, I mean, the, all of the information that you need on a card is right there. So you will type in like Michael Jordan, dream team, and then on the back or somewhere on the card, like 97 and then pop it up. And you obviously sort by completed listings. You can see how much the card's worth because your dad was a collector and typically older collectors like to collect things in sets. So like the set is sort of like, mm. 
they'll drop one Michael Jordan. Like it's just kind of like the entire dream team instead of just having one player. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you can get all of them, you can sell all of them for like a lot, a lot of money, bro. Yeah, you sitting on the gold mine, bro. Yeah, just just make sure Dude. you be careful with the cards. You never want to bend them. You typically don't want to drop them, but just yeah, hey. You said on the gold mine, bro. Yeah, more than likely you were sitting on the gold mine. Yeah, dude. <laughs> they, they yeah, yeah. It's funny. Like I've been, I've been kind of thinking about yeah. it. I'm like, nah, they're not worth anything. They don't have their little numbers at the top. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good yeah. to know, man. I'm gonna get to work on that. I'm actually Check gonna write that down. Check it out, man. Check them out because, and I, I will say, don't try to like what was my my teacher used to say. Uh, how do you eat an elephant? And we would always say one piece at a time. So like, don't try to just, you know, look through all of the boxes at one time because you're going to get really, really burnt out. But mm-hmm. just try to look through like a few of them. Just random one looks cool. Like just, you know, check it out, see what it's worth. But a lot of times, especially and regardless on how much it is, you're probably if it's really boxes, you're probably sitting on at least $300 worth. Even if the cards mm-hmm. are worth nothing, you're probably sitting on three to $500 worth of cards oh, just shoot. because of just, just because of the volume of the cards. No, that's wild, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I have a question for you. When okay. it comes to cards, like, do you, are you looking at it as like a, an investment of you, you buy it now and then you, you're going to hold it for 10, 20, 30 years? Or how, how do you, how are you looking at it? Yes, that's, that's, that's how I look at it. I look at it because I, so there are about three ways you can make money off sports cards. It's just buying the packs themselves. So they, it is extremely hard to get a pack. If you go to any Walmart or Target, they are probably sold out. So people buy those packs and they just resell them. The next way is whenever you get a hold of those packs, you get it from a reseller. If you get it from Walmart or Target and excuse me, and you rip the pack. So you just open it up and see if they're, the reason why these cards, why the packs are so valuable is because they might, <laughs> might have a card that's worth a lot of money. Like they might have a Ricky Zion or Ricky John Morant. Mm. These players who are expected to be like all-time great players, if you can get their rookie card, those cards are worth a lot. So whenever you mm. rip them, you get them in the hopes of getting that card. And then there's what I do. So I buy cards pretty much just off eBay and I sit on them. So I tell you like a card that I just got was a Brandon Ingram. I bought his second year rookie mm. card. Uh and I know I'm throwing out a ton at you, but the way the way most cards work is that the most sought after card is typically a player's rookie card. So you usually want to get them obviously like before they blew up so that by the time they blow up, you can really, really get something. So like, I'll give you a perfect example. The LeBron James rookie just sold for like $200,000, right? Crazy, crazy. Now the what? average collector would not spend 200,000 on a card like that. So what you do is you go back to their second year card because the second year card is a little bit cheaper than their rookie card so i i just bought some second year brandon ingram cards i'm buying like as many of them as i can and his right now his card i think is selling for about a i think 150 300 for some of some of his cards if they're graded in psa 10s i'm buying his second year expecting him to be like have an amazing next three to four year run and then his second year is jump up in value so i like to in a way it's sort of like betting and gambling but i like i typically i don't think i've spent more than like a hundred dollars in the past six months on sports cards but i like to yeah so i you know it's kind of starting slow but i I sort of like Mm. to look at a player's like tht i'm buying tyler horton tucker i'm buying all of his uh, rookie cards because they are literally pennies so i'm like buying those cards expecting them to like really really shoot up in value but that's that's what i do because for me it's a little bit safer now if you really 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 just want to like dive into it is for like a listener even anybody who wants to get into it you got like a few thousand 
the safest way and the most surefire way to make money with sports cards is buying people who are already solidified. So buying LeBron James cards that are two, three thousand dollars now, looking at MJ's cards, which are literally just sold for a hundred thousand, like those that's how much those cards typically sell for ridiculous amounts of money knowing that lebron is going to be an nba legend and is already in the go conversation just got his fourth ring if he gets another one he's on par with mj you buy that card wait for Bron to retire and then they skyrocket in value because those are what and this is what gary v preaches he says buy bet on things that have already happened i don't do that at all like (laughs) i don't think it's fun like i yeah it's no fun knowing that we all know LeBron's great. I like mm. to sort of like spend two or three dollars to figure out, okay, in a year, two years, will this player be really, really good? So Dang. yeah, bro. Sports cards, man, it's so bro, it's it's just it's a really, really, really fun hobby, man. It's really fun. Dude, really fun, well, man. I you know I love sports, bro. You know, yeah. I love the NBA. Yeah, so that sounds yeah. really fun to me. Bro, Do you I'm just go on eBay? Is that where you find them? Typically, typically, yeah. Now, now, what I will say is before you buy a card, just do a ton of research. You want to watch as many mm. YouTube videos just, just because there are so many misconceptions and there are so many things you can just like really, really mess up. But yeah, there, there are different. You can even buy them off StockX recently. But yeah, it'd be, eBay is pretty much the card that I go to and I spend very, very little on the card. I might spend five bucks. I wish I had them there in my living room, but I might, I might <laughs> spend five bucks on a card. And Dang. my my expectation is that they shoot up. I'm gonna I'm gonna be posting about it soon, bro. So I mean, hey, eBay nice. man, cards, yo, oh man, yeah. Is I'm looking to it, it, bro, for is sure. It. You should, bro. And nice, that dude. man, you got me excited. I, I want to know what you find <laughs> in that box, yo. If, if you got a question about a card, just shoot me a picture of it. Let me know. I think that'll be oh, super for sure. Okay, so I got this last question for you, bro. So since our last talk, and for everybody who hasn't watched our last podcast, uh, Sebastian and I did a podcast about what three three four months ago um yeah more like march april i think march, april, actually i don't okay. know yeah, i can't maybe remember. i'm way off we we did yeah. it and <laughs> we did it right around when quarantine had gotten into its its full effect yes. and because of that the social justice and camp of campaigns just flew through the roof at that time when we had to watch the unfortunate killings of, of just too many people uh, and Sebastian and I had a really, really, really impactful conversation about social justice yeah. and the rioting that was going on at the time and the anger of, of so many American people. So I wanted to know from your perspective, since that time, what have been some of your observations? Like, have you seen any progression? Have you seen any degression? What are some of the things that you think you've seen so far? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think... I think I'm just tired, bro. I I don't know like what other way to say this. I'm just tired. Like we have elections coming up next week Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's been a, it's been like a, you're afraid of it to happen because you don't know what is going to happen to like the economy Mm -hmm. to, are are there going to be riots? What's going to happen with like Corona? Is it going to get crazier? You know what I mean? I feel like I'm just tired of the year overall. Like I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to, I want politics to not be such a heavy thing in my life. And mm-hmm. I'm not someone that consumes like the news. Like I really don't look at the news and you can call me ignorant, but it's like, I just don't like reading about it. And it's mm-hmm. always like, they're always trying to like catch your attention by saying the craziest things they can say. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man, I feel like, you know, I don't think things have gotten better ever since mm-hmm. we talked. I think, mm-hmm. You know, there's so much divisiveness between 
so many people mm -hmm. and i feel like it comes down to like the political candidates and without getting too much into it you know it's just like mm -hmm. man I, I just i want it to be over with i, mm -hmm. I want to know who is going to be the next president for the next four years yeah and and, and just get mm -hmm. our lives back together yeah you know yeah it get, get to focusing on the things that are important bro so just i don't watch the news at all like i i personally don't like either one of the presidential candidates and i never have i don't think that i just I, I'm, I am almost in, in perfect alignment with you because I think that politics in America is, a, is, is almost like a show and it's yep. like a and, and I'm so I like you kind of said I'm kind of annoyed with every celebrity telling me to go vote or I'm, I'm annoyed with getting 30 text messages a day from somebody asking me who am I going to be voting for yeah. and it's yeah. it, it's really really annoying because it's like I think that things become so big picture and so uh, politics becomes a game that people play that nobody can win, um, and I and I, I really I really can't stand it. Uh, and I think I think I'm on the same point as you. Now, what I will say we differ, and, I, and only just a little bit, is I think things have gotten better um, as far as the unity of people. I think that there has been people who, similar to our last conversation, didn't know about everything that was going on. Like in the life of a black dude in America, it was like shit. Y'all just now finding this out, but like to to everybody else, it was almost like a it was almost crazy because I heard Steve Kerr say it. And he said, Steve Kerr said, I, I've worked around black people my entire career. Like he has had a 30 year career. He said, they have literally been surrounded by black people. And I had no clue about the struggle that they were going through. Oh, wow. And he said, I felt embarrassed. And, and, mm. and you, you can see in his face, he said, I felt embarrassed. And when I heard him say that, I was like, wow, this is mm. part of the change that we need to see. There are people who need to know about what's going on. Uh, for things to eventually change. So I think there has been more unity. I also think that as a result of that unity, there has been more divide. But mm. I think that these things take time. I think that the only thing that's kind of really been on my mind is the the government starting up another 94 crime law or another uh, throwing crack into the community whenever we see too many people implementing themselves. is is It's just like what happens next to stop the halt of, of a people progressing again. So that's really my, my really only concern because I feel like as a people, we will eventually get fed up and tired eventually. It's just that what is implemented, going to be implemented or is already implemented to stop us from coming together the way that we should have done a long time ago. So th those are my thoughts on it, bro. It's sort of like a, yeah, a dot, 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 because, you know, we, we never know what happens next and it, it, history yeah. will, will write itself. And interestingly enough, it always repeats itself. So it, it's really, really interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, man. 100%. We'll see. It's kind of cool because we, yeah, we started, we did talk in March because that's mm -hmm. when the, you know, quarantine and all yeah. that stuff happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then now we're at the election. So mm -hmm. maybe we'll have another follow up right. yeah. conversation <laughs> six months from now and that see cool. where, where in the world yeah. we are. You yeah. Know? What happens next? That would be really cool. So that's yeah. the best thing, bro. Where can people find you at? Uh, yeah, man. Just on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, mainly. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. just follow me at, uh, Sebas Garcia X that's S E B A S Garcia X. And, uh, I have a podcast, like my business podcast is, is called Seb talks and my relationship podcast is called making bad decisions with Carly and Sebastian. <laughs> oh, that's dope. So, that's dope. so yeah, yeah, man, that, that's it. I, I hope you guys found value and I hope you guys are, you know, if any questions, any comments, like I'd, I'd love to 
connect with all of you. Absolutely. You guys, please check this guy out. I, you will interestingly enough, see one of my most popular videos recently as literally a copy and paste of one of Sebastian's videos. Uh, this guy is an amazing content curator and I follow him for a lot of my personal inspiration. I really, really want you guys to just go check him out. Check out his podcast, give him a follow. And until next time, guys, you guys keep real, keep kicking. <laughs> Yo, wasn't that an amazing episode? It seems like in every single one of these, I'm finding a new way to pour out a different perspective, a different ideas, or some way that I can pour my heart out to you guys. And I'm so, so glad that you guys enjoyed it. Before you leave, I want you to take a second to go ahead and follow me on all my platforms at this cams, T-H-I-S, and then cam with two M's. I am constantly on an obsessed journey to give you guys as much value as I can across all platforms. And this podcast is nothing but a long tail version of that. So again, thank you guys so, so much for your time. I cannot tell you how much it means to me. And until next time, stay real and keep kicking it. (laughs) 